Today, we are going to talk about our God and the gifts that he's given us, spiritual gifts. And I think that sometimes we're really excited about some of those gifts, and sometimes you just want to hide them in the corner because we don't know what to do with them. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are going to be, last week we kind of learned about how the Holy Spirit empowers us as we yield to his filling and his control in our lives, and today we're going to be learning about how some of that control and yielding that we do and give to him will produce spiritual gifts operating in our lives. As you turn to 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for all of the gifts that you give us. I thank you for the gift of this moment. And I ask you, Lord, that you would empower me with your spirit. You would fill me, that you would speak through me, that the words that come out of my lips would be yours. And yours alone. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would also move in our hearts to not just hear your truth, but to truly receive it and be transformed by it. Be encouraged by it, be convicted by it. Whatever is that you want us to have done in our hearts, Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we dive into this passage, I just want to make sure that we all kind of have the agenda straight. Because... Anytime you talk about spiritual gifts, this is an absolutely massive topic. There's so much on it. And there are many good Bible-believing Christians who have sharp disagreements about spiritual gifts. I mean, are they still all for today? Have some of them ceased? How many spiritual gifts are there? How Should we use them properly? What does that look like? Well, I am not going to address any of those issues today. That, I don't think, is within the scope of this series. Really, we could have a whole other series on spiritual gifts, um, which would be interesting. Maybe we'll do it sometime. Um, But today, I really want us to focus on the joy that we can have when we exercise the gifts that we've been given, regardless of whether we think some of them have ceased or not, the ones that we have, the joy that we can have in using them. And just so you know where I'm coming from, I do believe that all the gifts are for today. I don't believe any have ceased. I also believe that they can often be abused and misused, sadly, And so we need to understand and know how to use them decently and in order, as Scripture says. And to begin, as we look at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12, it starts with knowing how to properly scrutinize spiritual gifts. We need to know how to properly scrutinize the gifts of the Spirit. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I think Paul may have well been writing right to us 
Because I think a lot of us, especially in kind of the evangelical church, are largely uninformed about spiritual gifts. The Greek word for uninformed literally means ignorant of, to be ignorant of. In fact, if some translations use the word ignorant. From my perspective, too many believers are ignorant of spiritual gifts, which causes one of two things to happen. Either we sensationalize them, and we make a bigger deal out of them than we ought to make, or we marginalize them. And we want to kind of push them off to the side and try to forget about them. Both of these extremes are wrong. And so we've got to become better informed so that we neither marginalize them or sensationalize them. I mean, spiritual gifts are not the be-all, end-all of spirituality. Nor should we dismiss them as unimportant and useless. And so Paul continues on in verse 2, and he says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, first to really kind of dive into this a little bit and chew on it, we need to understand some cultural context about the city of Corinth. Corinth was well known for all of the pagan cults that were operating within the city. And one of their rituals that they would do over and over again was what they called the rite of ecstasy. And the rite of ecstasy was this ceremony where they would submit themselves to the spirit or the power of whatever god they were worshiping. And then in that little spiritual trance, they would say and do all kinds of crazy, wacky things. And these rites of ecstasy were particularly well known for the speech that accompanied them. So the first thing that we need to see that Paul is really trying to open our eyes to here is that in order for us to be properly informed about spiritual gifts, we need to recognize that the enemy will always try to distort our perspective of them, try to get us to misuse them as he produces cheap copies of the real thing. He can do that. John MacArthur said, Satan will try to counterfeit the Spirit's gifts, and he will try to induce believers to ignore, neglect, misunderstand, abuse, and pervert them. Many of the Corinthian believers had formerly been led astray by these supernatural displays of the devil. And Paul wanted to make sure that they could properly scrutinize the gifts and confirm that they were from the Spirit of God and not from the devil. The Greek word for led astray here, it means to be led into bondage. 
And it was used to refer to prisoners who were be taken away to prison or were who being taken away to execution. Paul, he didn't want the Corinthians and their misunderstanding of the gifts to become a form of idolatry and bondage, which was the case in their former occult lifestyle. So that's why many scholars believe Paul spent so much time addressing the gift of tongues in his letter, his first letter to them. Because the gift of tongues so closely resembled the rites of ecstasy, he wanted to make sure that they practiced it properly and that it wasn't counterfeited, it wasn't sensationalized as it was in all of the pagan cults that did a very similar ritual. They had been led astray before and he didn't want it to happen again. And I think that we can very easily be led astray as well because of our own ignorance of spiritual gifts. We've got to be able to properly discern and scrutinize these gifts so that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Can't do that. They are good and profitable. So we need to understand how to discern them. Thankfully, Paul gives us a very clear test right here in the passage to help us discern the validity of spiritual gifts, especially when it comes to gifts that involve speaking. Paul basically says, measure the use of the gifts against the truth of Scripture. He says, he tells us, we should ask, does the use of this gift and what it is producing agree with what we know the Word of God to say? If it doesn't confirm and it doesn't comport with the Word of God, well, your sirens better be going off. If it is not lifting high and magnifying the name of Jesus Christ, then there's something wrong. Spectacular behavior, <laughs> and hey, let's face it, some of the spiritual gifts are pretty, pretty cool, pretty awesome when God moves and works and you see him do awesome things. But spectacular behavior, even if it has the appearance of being under the influence of a higher power, that is no guarantee of divine inspiration. We need to be discerning. We need to scrutinize. We always have to measure against the absolute truth of the Word of God. Amen. But we don't just walk around constantly with a little skeptical perspective on spiritual gifts, trying to debunk them all the time. We also need to be informed on how to celebrate their proper use, and we need to be informed of the source of all of the spiritual gifts. And so we continue on in our passage, and we look at the source of the gifts, starting in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I'm not going to take any time to actually dive into all of these gifts. There are lots of different studies out there that you can look at. And, in fact, this isn't the only list that we have in Scripture. You can go to Romans 12. You can go to Ephesians 4. There are other lists in Scripture of spiritual. Later on in this chapter, at the end of the chapter, there's even more gifts that he talks about. The important thing for us, I think, to take away with regard to these lists is that we understand that these lists in Scripture are not exhaustive. The lists in Scripture do not contain all of the spiritual gifts that there are. Period. Stop. There. This is an example of some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the people of God. What I think is more important for us to see is what the source of all spiritual gifts is. And the source, very clearly shown in this passage, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned seven times throughout verses 4 through 11. And verse 11 pretty much sums it all up for us. It says basically that the Holy Ghost is the one who empowers all of our gifts, and He is the one who apportions them to us as He wills. Of course, as He wills will always be in accordance with how God the Father wills, Spirit is always following the will of the Father, just as Christ was always following the will of the Father. In fact, I found interesting, I never really saw this before this week when I was diving into this, verses 4, 5, and 6 make very clear that the entire Trinity is at work in the operation and use of spiritual gifts. Verse 4 says that it is the Holy Spirit that's working. In verse 5, we have the Lord Jesus that is working. And in verse 6, we have God the Father. All are active in the operation and use of spiritual gifts. And that's something that we've been seeing throughout this series. We've been studying on the Holy Spirit and focusing on, on His ministry and His work in the church. But Every work of God is Trinitarian in nature. Every work of God has all aspects of the Trinity moving and working. And the gifts are no different. The Greek word for gifts refers to something that is bestowed by the Spirit of God. It's, it's a free gift of grace. It doesn't mean gifts literally. It's anything that is, that is given freely by God. And it's important that we recognize these aren't the same things as talents and skills and abilities. Everyone has those things. Non-believers have those things. What we're talking about here are supernatural gifts that come from God. Only followers of Jesus Christ have spiritual gifts. 
and they are all empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what verse 11 tells us. And that happens the more and more we yield ourselves to the Spirit's operation and work in our life. That's what we talked about last week, right? We talked about yielding to the filling and control of the Holy Spirit. The more we do that, the more we will learn how to utilize our spiritual gifts effectively. About a month and a half ago, my cousin Jake, <laughs> he's on the church softball team here. He's a, he's a big galoot, a handsome rascal though. He, um, he jacked his hip up while he was playing, wearing cleats and walking around all the time. And he, he came into, we have a, a, a young adult group that meets on Wednesday nights, and he came in, he was limping like a big baby. A big baby. And he sat down, and we kind of went through the group, and at the end of the night, after 98% of the people left, there were three of us who were still there, and we just felt like we needed to pray for Jake. And one of the individuals who was there has had several times where the Lord has impressed upon him to go and pray for someone, and to the glory of God, they have been healed. Not everyone, but it's happened sometimes. And so we got together and we prayed for Jake, and absolutely nothing happened. But we were all unsettled. We all felt like there was more praying that needed to be done. And so we prayed a second time. And you can ask him. He said it was the weirdest thing he's ever experienced. No more pain instantly. Completely gone. He was, he was running around like a champ again. <laughs> that had nothing to do with the individuals there. That was all Jesus, amen? But it was when those individuals were willing to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, working through them to use the gift that had been given. That's how it works. None of us, none of us can really say that this spiritual gift is my gift, and I just use it at my will. Nah. It doesn't work that way, okay? And anyone who thinks it works that way is uninformed of spiritual gifts. It's, it's as we yield to the Spirit, as we yield to Him moving through us and prompting us, we are conduits to the Spirit's power moving and flowing. That's how it works. We're stewards of the grace freely given to us. And the more we yield to the Spirit moving through us, the more powerful results we will see to the glory of God. That's how it works. Romans 12, 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Every single follower of Jesus Christ has received a gift as the result of God's grace, and we should not dismiss those gifts or use them lightly. And let me just remind us, and I think this is very important, spiritual gifts are tools for ministry. They are not indicators of spiritual maturity. 
Let me say that again. Spiritual gifts, which we all have in different measure, in a whole variety, are tools to bring glory to God. They are not indicators of spiritual maturity. And unfortunately, a lot of us forget this. And what happens when someone has a spiritual gift that's a little more flashy or maybe draws a little more attention, we automatically think, wow, that guy's so spiritual. Wow, she is just, she is just amazing and her walk with God is just so... And then when there's something wrong in their life, we don't say anything because we're intimidated by them because of this gift that they have that they use, and they're so, no, don't, don't, we can't do that. On the flip side, if I have a spiritual gift that I am seeing the Lord work in me and through me, I can't be some, I can't become so puffed up and prideful and think that, whoa, I'm some, I'm some hot shot, some hot shot preacher here. Woo, look at me. Mm-mm. That's no good either. And it, and it all of a sudden steals the glory from God, makes the person unteachable or unwilling to listen or unapproachable, and then you have chaos that can ensue. Spiritual gifts, they're, they're really exciting to think about and to experience and to see in operation but we've got to remember that they are all built on the foundation of God's grace. It's all God's grace. It is all His power working through us. And if we don't humble ourselves as we use them, there's going to be problems. The minute that we start focusing on the gift more than the giver, we've just been led astray into idolatry, just like the Corinthians were. God the Father willed us to have a gift, and Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and overcame sin and death so that those who put their faith in him can be filled with the Spirit, baptized and indwelt with the Spirit, receiving spiritual gifts, and use them for the glory of God, not for the glory of themselves or any other purpose. We've got to be a church who responsibly and effectively utilizes all of the gifts it's been given. And so we turn finally to our third point, and that is we need to be informed of the significance of the gifts. We've got to know how to scrutinize them. We've got to know the source. But we also need to remember how significant they are, how important they are. And I want us to jump back to verse 7. If you would jump back to verse 7, I'll read it again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Spiritual gifts are absolutely essential, not only because they bring glory to God, because they also build up the church. They're for the common good. In the Greek, that phrase is really just one word, 
and it means to bring together, to be profitable or useful for everyone. Our gifts are given to us individually, but they're to be used for the benefit of the collective, of the body. They're to edify and build up all of us. And by the way, anytime you read about the spiritual gifts in Scripture, this point is made every single time. It's for the benefit of all. In 1 Peter 4, we read, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If, if I have a spiritual gift, and verses 7 and 11 of this passage, as well as other passages throughout Scripture, make very clear that every follower of Jesus has at least a spiritual gift, oftentimes multiple, I better be using my gift for the profit and health of the entire body. Some of us get so worked up about the simple experience of the manifestations of the Spirit that we forget that our goal should be to build up the church, not just to experience the Spirit's move in our lives. Two chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, Paul writes, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. If your goal is to build up the church and you are yielding to the Spirit, you will experience manifestations of the Spirit. That's how it works. But if all we're after is that, that, that spiritual, whatever we want to call it, and I'm not really concerned about the church, well, you have got your priorities mixed up. And so we see here another test, by the way, for discerning the gifts, which we can put right alongside measuring them against the truth of Scripture. The proper exercise of the gifts will bring strength and unity to the body of Christ. Whereas demonic counterfeits or the improper use of gifts, even if they are legitimate, if they are used improperly, they will weaken and fracture believers. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of that that's gone on. <laughs> Satan's had a field day with this one. When we talk about Pentecostals and Charismatics and Evangelicals and... Ugh, Jesus were here today, I'm sure his heart would hurt over these types of divisions. Got to use the gifts properly in accordance with Scripture for the purpose of building up the church, the one church, the one body of Christ. Can't be so concerned with the use of the gifts that we forget that goal to build up and so we listen, we've got to be mindful and hey talking to myself we've got to be mindful of our own pride here because it's our pride that divides it's our pride and our ego and our arrogance 
that causes us to think we've got this figured out, or we know it all, or I got this super special gift, and so I'm going to use it. And that divides. Humility has to undergird all of this. It's got to undergird all of the use of any gift, no matter what it is. Because otherwise, we become puffed up. What's the spiritual gift, right? I don't know why I did that. That just kind of came on. That doesn't glorify God, all right? It doesn't glorify God at all. But, I said a lot about that. We can't sit on the sideline and think that our spiritual gifts are of little value either. We can't get caught in the lie that what I have to offer isn't beneficial to the church. That's, that's just as wrong. Nor, nor can we be content with sitting back and not contributing our gifts either. I mean, it's very easy to kind of sit there and just, eh, I'm just going to let it go on, comfortable not offering what the Lord has given me. We're not going to read it now, but Paul addresses all this in the rest of the chapter. We're going to encourage you to study that on your own. Every gift is of equal importance. There is none that is more important. There are some that are more effective at building up the body, but they are all important and critical for the proper function of the overall body. is that if you, if I, am not using the gifts which I've been entrusted, then we need to recognize that we're walking in sin. It is sin. And that sounds harsh, but Paul's tone in this chapter is pretty strong. (laughs) He wants the Corinthians to get this. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And I have to be honest, I hate that verse. (sighs) Just when I think I've got it figured out, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, and the Lord's like, well, have you done this? Well, I mean, I no, I, I haven't done this, but have you done this? Oh, Lord. <sighs> I've been convicted by this this week. And sadly, I think there are too many Christians who want to receive the benefits of other parts of the body using their gifts, but I'm content just kind of sitting back and keeping my gifts to myself. So we've got to ask ourselves some questions here. We've got to ask ourselves, am I actually using my gifts for the benefit of the body? And I'm not just talking about, and I'm not minimizing this. I'm not just talking about kind of the the little thing here and there. If you have a gifting that would be beneficial in a capacity that would require more of your time, more of your energy, more of your effort, you need to be doing that to build up the church. And some of those, some of the, you know, 
smaller ministries are good and important and we need people in there. Absolutely, critically need people in there. But if you have a gift that is in addition to that, you should be using that gift. Here's another question. This is a tough one. Do I receive more ministry from the church than I give to it? Honestly answer that question. That's a tough one. Because I think a lot of us would say, hmm. Have I been resisting God's call to step up and contribute what I have been given? And if I am operating in my gifts, praise God, am I training up and discipling someone else for when I get tired or burned out or need a break or when the body is growing and there needs to be more equipped people? See, just operating in the gifts, frankly, is just one step. Are we discipling others in the gifts that we've been given? That is also crucial. And that is also critical for the building up of the church. Have you ever, have you just asked yourself, why has the Lord brought me to Cornerstone Church? If, if your answer doesn't involve how you can be using your gifts to build up the body, then you're, then you're, you're, you're not answering right. Or you're not at least thinking about the big picture. And the reality is that you may have been led astray into idolatry. What do I mean by that? Because we may just view the church as one more thing that we consume for our own benefit. This consumer society that we have. We cannot be ignorant of this any longer. The Lord is calling us to mobilize our gifts for the benefit of all, no matter how small we think they are, no matter how insignificant we think they may be. We have got to use whatever gift we have been given. One of the prayers that the board has been praying for several years now comes out of Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36 says, Thus says the Lord God, This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So the Lord, he has given us permission to ask him to increase our numbers, not for the sake of increasing our numbers. There comes that pride again. There comes that arrogance again. We're to ask him to increase his flock with people who are willing to submit fully and wholly to him, to sacrifice their lives to him, to follow him wherever he would leave them, offering all they have, all they are, to God. That is who he wants his church to be filled with. 
And we've seen the Lord answer that prayer. Praise God. There have been so many gifted people that he has brought to us who have become a part of our family, and yet there are still those who are gifted and yet not quite engaging, not quite stepping up and saying, I'm ready for sacrifice. I'm ready to lay it on the altar. But here's, here's the hard part to this. It is hard. Where the Lord is calling you to sacrifice and use your gifts may not be where you think it should be. It may not be where you want it to be. Because our pride can very quickly come in and cloud our perception of our own spiritual gifts or of the calling that God has for the use of those spiritual gifts. To use Paul's analogy that he uses a little on the chapter, we might think we're a hand or a foot, but the Lord's saying, no, you're not a hand or a foot. You're something else. Or we might think that I should be doing the work of a hand or a foot, and the Lord's like, no, you need to be doing the work of something else. That takes humility. It does. It's hard. That's what the Lord is calling us to. As we yield more and more to the Spirit, which is what we talked about last week, we'll see Him leading us to the place where we can use our gifts, even if it's way different than we expected. And it will build up the church. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering, well, this is all very interesting, but I don't really know how I'm gifted. That's a valid question. That is a valid question. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you just to go out and take a spiritual gift survey and then say, you know what? I had the gift of teaching, and I had the gift of helps, and I had the gift of generosity, and I had the gift of prophecy. That's me. So, okay, how can you use me now? I'm a prophet. It doesn't work like that. Now, those tests are good tools and indicators, but I'm going to suggest a couple other steps, okay? First, just pray and ask the Lord to show you. Listen to what the Spirit is leading you to. Those are, that's a great place to start. <laughs> he will lead you to a place where your gifts will naturally emerge. There may be one, there may be multiple, but you ask him to show you, and he will show you. Second, we should speak to spiritually mature believers who either know us already or who we can get to know who can speak truth into our lives and who can confirm what they are seeing the Spirit do within us. Because I might think I'm a pretty darn good speaker. And then I have 30 people come up to me after a sermon and say, yeah, you know, that was a really great try, Matthew. <laughs> you know, that polite smile thing again. <laughs> doesn't matter what I think about me. What is the Lord confirming to me through his body? I mean, when you, when you have a pain in your body, what happens? It goes up to your brain and your body's like, stop doing whatever you're doing. Poof. 
right? That's how it's with us, too. But we don't always like to hear the whole stop doing what you're doing thing. <laughs> well, I've been serving in children's ministry for 35 years, and this is how I'm, you know what, sorry, you're really not gifted like that. That's where the pride and humility and speaking the truth in love <laughs> comes in, right? We have to be able to step up and do that for each other, for the benefit of God's name and his glory. Third, we've got to start trying things out. Get out and volunteer. Get out and do things. Get off your butts, people. Make sure I thought about every word I just said there. You need to volunteer in, in different capacities. Get involved in a life group in more intimate community, not every gift is going to come out in a worship service. In fact, I would submit that the majority do not come out in a worship service. The majority will come out in our smaller groups and our more intimate community. So if you're not involved with one, then more likely than not, you're not even in the environment where you can use your gift to the fullest. Be willing to try something new. Be willing to fall flat on your face in failure. That's okay. It's okay to fail when you're trying to use a gift that you think you have. You'll either get better at it or you'll figure out that you don't really have that gift. Both of those outcomes are good. And don't think that just because you don't know everything that you can't use your gift either. That is also Malarkey. Malarkey from the devil. It's crap, all right? Get that thinking out of your head. One of the, one of the things that just like, uh, is, well, I just, I just don't feel like I know enough. It doesn't matter what you know. That is me thinking. That is idolatrous thinking. Rely on the Spirit of God. Finally, don't be afraid to ask God for more gifts. Don't be afraid to go before the throne and say, Lord, I want more. Not for myself, not to puff up my own pride, not for my own glory, but for your glory, God, for the building up of your body. I want to sacrifice more for you. And if your motivation is pure and genuine, then you may very well receive an extra measure of grace. But if you do, you better use it. <laughs> I'm sure that many of you have noticed that this world, especially in the United States, is getting slightly less tolerant of Christians. Bible perspectives. A little bit less tolerant. I hope you're not surprised by this. Because it's going to keep getting worse. And if we are not a people, no, if we are not a family 
who is using our gifts to build one another up, to encourage one another, to comfort one another, to come alongside and spur one another on, to teach one another, to see the Lord moving and healing and see the Lord doing amazing things that he does, we will be divided and crushed by the onslaught of the world. But that's not what the Bible says should happen. Because we have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and he has overcome the world. I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world, we're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That is our God, amen? And he's given us gifts to walk in victory through the trials and the storms and the battles. As Paul wrote to Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is within you. No more excuses. God's going to hold us accountable for how we're stewarding the gifts of the Spirit that he's entrusted to us. We can no longer just, just smile politely at God and say, oh, thanks, Lord, that's pretty neat, and I'm going to put that right over here. My kids, you know, they, they eventually did pick up that Star Wars Risk game. I had, to, I had to do some encouraging and prodding a little bit. It was gentle. But once they learned how to play, once they learned how to actually enjoy the game, because this was just a really great game, they play it all the time now, and it's awesome. They still haven't beaten me yet, but they are getting better. <laughs> and not only Risk, but I've introduced them to all kinds of board games. We got like Stratego and Monopoly and Settlers of Catan going on. My inner geek rejoices. It's great. But they needed to be encouraged along to enjoy the gift they had been given. And that's my hope for today, that that's what this has been. We've, we've got to learn to neither abuse nor neglect the gifts of the Spirit that God has entrusted to us. Yes, we've got to be discerning. We've got to know how to scrutinize them. But we've also got to remember that it is the Holy Spirit that is empowering us and giving us all we need to go and do what he's calling us to do. Let's not grieve the gift giver any longer by failing to use what we've been given or by using them improperly. Let's not celebrate the gift over the giver, but let's all walk in the power of the Spirit as he gives us grace to use his gifts to bring him glory and build up his church. Amen?